to the CBA Leaders Podcast, a resource provided for ministry leaders serving churches and the Chilton Baptist Association. Our association exists to strengthen and connect churches to complete the Great Commission. The goal of this podcast is to provide news and announcements related to associational ministries and to provide helpful content to encourage you in your ministry leadership as you serve to make disciples of Jesus in Chilton County and beyond. Thanks again for listening. Let's jump into this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm going to keep my remarks brief because this is a longer than usual episode of the podcast. But what you're about to hear is a recording of our most recent Lunch and Learn from February 5th. And because of that, you'll notice the audio is fine for me as the speaker, but you won't be able to hear comments from the room. So I apologize for that in advance, but we're working on some solutions to that and hopefully it'll get better and better. Appreciate your patience as we work out some of those kinks and try to make this uh, better each time we do it. But uh, hope you'll enjoy the, the podcast and the conversation that we had around the topic of counting what counts. And we wrestled with the idea of what what constitutes a, a good scorecard for overall church health and what can we do to measure certain things that really matter and count the things that truly count when it comes to the health of our churches. You'll, you'll hear me reference a church health evaluation form that everyone was given in the room. And uh, if you would like a copy of that, it'll be linked in the description of this podcast and you can check it out there. Uh, if you would like a copy of your church's uh, 10-year profile, which we provided to everyone in attendance today, then just reach out to me or, or to Jessica here in the office and ask for that 10-year profile. We can easily print that off, uh, that report off and send it to you uh, pretty easily. So reach out to us if you'd like to see that for yourself and go through the exercise of evaluating your church's health. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, as always, share this with anybody if you find it helpful. And we're always open to your feedback and questions and here to serve you as churches. So uh, hope you enjoy this week's episode of the podcast. Um, but it's good, good to have everybody here uh, today. And uh, the topic that I selected was uh, counting what counts. So... Um, I really try to get people other than me to talk because I know y'all hear me enough and, uh, and uh, other Mondays we will have some other people come uh, to share with you. I'm really excited about the last, it's kind of strange, but I've got the last of the year already lined up. So you can go ahead and put that on your calendar. You got plenty of advance notice, but, uh, and it's on my birthday. So I expect you all to be here as your gift to me on my birthday on December 2nd. Uh, a guy named Curtis Sargent will be here. Uh, Curtis is, was the, formerly the uh, Vice President of Global Strategy for the International Mission Board. Um, he's a guy who has uh, tremendous influence globally when it comes to disciple making. He's trained a lot of people who have planted a lot of churches and seen a lot of people come into the kingdom uh, through his ministry. He led a church planting uh, movement uh, on an island in China where millions of people came to faith in Christ. Um, when he was a missionary with the IMB. And so he's, he, there's few people I know better who can answer this question, how close are we to finishing the Great Commission? And so that's what I've asked uh, Curtis to come and talk about the last uh, Lunch and Learn of the year on December 2nd. So he's going to kind of talk to us about finishing the task of the Great Commission. And so uh, that'll be a great time to have him come and share with us some statistics and 
how we do in it finishing the, the Great Commission. But, but for today, I really wanted to kind of walk through uh, the documents you have in your hand there, this church health assessment. And then also, you probably noticed already, there's, there's another page there that is the 10-year profile uh, for the church that you're a part of, right? The church that you lead, the church that you're, you're a part of. And so, and we'll talk more about that in a second. But I want to just kind of talk to you, I guess, about uh, the importance of this topic, I think, of counting what counts, right? Um, it's important that we track certain things, right? <laughs> um, we do this with stuff that matters to us, don't we, you know? Like if one of my goals is to lose weight, then I'm going to do what? I'm going to track what the scale looks like, right? Uh, there's different ways I could do that. I can do a, a daily weigh-in or a weekly weigh-in or whatever. There's different approaches, but if I really care about weight loss, I'm going to do what? I'm going to track the scale, and I might track my calorie intake, right? Um, if I'm a coach of a football team, right? Every, 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 pretty much every athletic team has somebody that's doing what? They're keeping the stats, right? And why are they doing that? They're keeping those stats so that you can measure and coach how well the team is doing. Uh, we care about our time, and so we do what? We track our time commitments using a calendar, right? Uh, we care about our money and our finances, so what do we do with that? Well, we track it in some way, or we hope somebody else is tracking it at least. I guess some of us maybe trust the bank is tracking it right for us accurately. But, but we, you know, we want to know like what's going on with finances or if you're working toward retirement, you're tracking the progress of your retirement account or whatever, you name it. Stuff that we care about, we tend to track. Um, so that's why we do something, that annual church profile every year that your church clerk uh, fills out um, and does, and I hope that you will leave this meeting and go to that church clerk and say thank you <laughs> for doing the job that so many people don't want to do because uh, it, it's important to track those things, to track these metrics, to know how things are going in our churches, um, and it gives you a snapshot of the overall health of your, your church. But as important as tracking is, there's also some dangers in here, right? And one danger that I have perceived is that we can become hyper-focused on particular metrics, right? On one metric in particular. <laughs> What's the one metric that I'm probably, that I'm hitting at here that we tend to focus on when it comes to tracking it and gauging church health on? Attendance, right? That's it. So how many bodies are in this room week over week? That's it, Right? And of course, we, this is nothing new. We all know, right? Is it possible that you could have more bodies in the room every week and your attendance could be in increasing, but your church not necessarily be healthy? Right? That's true. We know churches that are packed to the gills, right? In our country on a Sunday, and we know they're kind of tickling people's ears and they're not preaching the gospel. They're not talking about sin or repentance or any of the things that we're called to proclaim and preach, right? So... We know it's possible that your attendance could be increasing, but yet your church not really be growing in health. Also, could, is it possible, is there a possibility that your number of attendants could be in decline and that actually mean your church is getting healthier? 
that's a reality too, isn't it? Like, I can think of situations where, you know, that, that could be a very real possibility. Say there was, you know, somebody at the church previously who was not really preaching the full gospel, not really preaching boldly against sin and was just kind of sugarcoating everything. And so attendance is going up and then all of a sudden the pastor follows him and he starts really focusing on these biblical things, like things that are truly signs of, and marks of a healthy church. And he starts to do that and all of a sudden people start getting angry and they start leaving. Well, that's not a sign that the church is less healthy. It's actually a sign that the church is more healthy, right? So if we, if we think about that, though, we could easily fall into saying, well, we just don't want to track attendance anymore. <laughs> and that's not the answer either, right? So that's why I say we got to be careful that while it's important that we count things, that we, we don't hyper-focus on one metric, and that we also don't, we, we, we want a holistic picture, basically, is what, what I'm trying to get at here. We want a, a holistic picture, not just one metric, but a lot of metrics and things that can help us kind of gauge the overall health of our, our church. You know, I, I think about a, a vehicle, and maybe I'm thinking about this because my truck just broke down Friday night, so <laughs> y'all pray for me that I get good news today, and it's not crazy expensive to get my truck back on the road again, but uh, your vehicle has different systems within it, right? And usually there's lights on your dashboard that indicate certain things are not going well with your system, right? Or a particular system. If your oil pressure, right, is high, there's that little gauge that tells you your oil pressure is high. Uh, if there's, you know, tire pressure's low, of course, if you're like me, I ignore the tire pressure light all the time because I think my sensors are bad in my truck and it's not really accurate. But anyway, that tire pressure light comes on to tell you, hopefully, hey, one of your tire tires is low, you need to address that issue. So I think we need kind of a, a dashboard of sorts for our overall church health, Okay. Um, if you've never done this, um, you know, it can be, I don't know, uh, not always fun, right? Because it's like kind of going to the doctor and knowing deep down, hey, I know there's some stuff I probably should be doing differently to, that would improve my health. And if I go to the doctor, he's going to confirm those things and he's going to tell me, hey, okay, you really got to address this in your, your life. And I think some of us may know deep down in our church that there's some things that are, that are weaknesses uh, or threats uh, in our church, but we really don't want to look too deep at it because if we do, we know it's going to be confirmed, and then, man, it's, it's, it's hard, right? It's hard to look at something and know that it's a, a weakness. Um, anybody heard of a SWOT analysis before? Uh, S-W-O-T, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Doing something like this will help you as a church uh, to identify what are our strengths, what are we doing pretty well at, what are our weaknesses, what are our opportunities, and what are our threats. Um, difference between a threat and a weakness, I would say, is the urgency of the, the necessity to do something about it, right? Um, a threat is something that, man, if you don't address it, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy the church, right? A weakness is an area that, okay, we recognize that this is not as strong as where it could be, but, um, but we can have a met more measured or, or not as rapid of a response to address you know, this issue. So, um, so something like this assessment that's in front of you can help you kind of identify 
um, what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, what are the opportunities, what are the threats uh, to, to our church, and it can help you hopefully see some of those check engine lights that come up. You know, when your check engine light comes on, it doesn't mean your engine's about to blow up necessarily, <laughs> but it, need, it means you need to give some attention to trying to figure out, you know, and diagnose like what, what needs to be corrected uh, before that engine blows up, right? Um, and if we resist looking at these metrics, then I think it will lead us to have, uh, basically, we'll, we'll make uninformed decisions that will lead us uh, potentially to make poor decisions that will lead the church further into decline. Or, maybe not decline, but ineffectiveness. Um, you know, I heard a story one time about a church planner um, was working with State Board of Missions and, and talking with some of them about church planning and coaching church planners. And there was a church planner who was in one of the wealthiest parts of our state. Um, and he just, he just was bent on having a food pantry. Now, what's the problem with that? <laughs> he was in an area where there wasn't a need for a food pantry. Now, there's a lot of areas where a food pantry is a great idea for ministry to reach out and impact people's lives. I know many of you are doing food pantries in your church and have seen it be affected. But if you're in one of the wealthiest parts of the state of Alabama, you know, food pantry may not be the most informed decision for what, what ministry you ought to throw a lot of your effort and resources at. So uh, I've given this church health assessment to a lot of our churches when they uh, call me in to come do uh, training for their pastor church teams. And I give them this document and say, hey, I would recommend that y'all go through this, that you really look at it, that you fill it out so that you know what your strengths and weaknesses are and you know what kind of man you need to call to come be your next pastor, Right. If your church is not strong in evangelism, it would probably be a good idea to look at a pastor who's fairly evangelistically gifted and can equip your church to be more evangelistically effective, right? So, but I, I haven't really gone back, but I have a sneaking suspicion that most of the committees that I have slid this across the table to have not done it, right? <laughs> um, a few have. I've heard from them that they did, but a lot of them, I'm sure, have, have probably not. Because it's a little bit of work. And as you will notice as we go through this, some of this stuff we're not really, we're not measuring currently in some of our churches. Like these are things that we're not typically uh, measuring. So that's kind of the why. The why behind uh, tracking and the why behind being uh, focused in on a holistic picture. We don't want to just count, but we want to count what counts. We want to count the things that are truly significant to give us a measurement of the overall health of, of our church. So I want to kind of walk through this sheet with you and uh, just talk about some of these things and why I think they're important for us to, to measure and, and track them. You see them, they're, they're broken down into these basically um, five different categories. And uh, just kind of as a, a, a side or disclaimer on this too, I did not create this. I have borrowed this from another association. Uh, I just looked at it and thought, man, this is super helpful. And I asked the DON there, hey, can, can I borrow that and use it? And uh, he, he said, yes, yeah, sure, go ahead. And so this originally comes from uh, Brian Nall, who's the director of missions or associational missionary in Pensacola uh, Baptist Association. And so Brian uh, let me use this uh, to, to put before our association and use it as a guideline. But so five different categories, giving, attendance, volunteering, evangelism, and discipleship. And 
course, as we go through this, there might be things that you'll think to yourself, yeah, yeah, but what about this? Great, you know, add in some other metric if there's another metric that you feel like uh, should be counted. So, but as far as giving goes, right, we know uh, giving is important and giving is actually a part of discipleship, is it not, right? Uh, stewardship and what we do with the resources God has entrusted to us is downstream of our discipleship. If we're really discipling people, then they should be giving to support the the Lord's work in the life of the church. And so there's some basic stuff here to figure out uh, from from giving. And some of this you can pull from that document that you have for your 10-year profile of your church. So trying to figure out, okay, what's our per capita giving? You basically, it tells you there how to do that. Take your annual undesignated giving, and that's actually on your sheets there. Uh, one of the lines on there is undesignated gifts. Take the number of undesignated gifts that you have received for the, for the year. Divide that by the number of adults 18 years and older that are in attendance of your church or members of your church. And then divide that number by 52, the weeks in the year, and that will give you kind of your per capita picture of your giving. And as a general goal here, the goal is that that would be greater than $40 when you do that little equation. Um, you know, I, I have not done that on all of our churches. Uh, some of y'all in this room, I did it just out of curiosity, and some of y'all are above that number, right? So that's a good, that's a good sign. I'm sure some are not above that number. So giving trend, um, what's the percent change in undesignated contributions year to year over the last five years? Now that little sheet there that you have automatically tells you that on a 10 year scale, not a five year scale. One of the columns on there is percent change um, for all the different metrics on that 10 year profile. So you can glance at that and see, hey, what's been the 10 year uh, change in our undesignated contributions. Um, what does that just tell you? That tells you, hey, is our giving increasing or is it decreasing uh, over this 10-year period? And you can see the highs and lows in, those ten, in that 10-year period uh, as well. Another thing, the budget breakdown by category. Um, gen these are general recommendations, you know, for a balanced church budget, but 40 to 60% for staff and personnel, 20 to 40% for operating expenses. That would be your rent, utilities, things like that, just to keep the building functioning and operating, right? Keep things uh, where they need to be. And then 20 to 40% for ministry expenses, uh, 10 to 30% of your budget for missions. Uh, that would be CP giving or associational giving or supporting individual church plants, whatever that would look like in your church. And then 10% roughly for savings, uh, for when stuff breaks and is really expensive. So why is all that giving stuff important? Because it kind of tells us uh, where we might need to provide resources and training to our church members if those numbers are not really where they should be, you know. So if you see, hey, our per capita giving is kind of low and our giving trend is going down and our, our budget breakdown by category is not really where it should be, then we might need to look at, okay, what if we do a Financial Peace University? Or what if we call Crown Financial and we do some training for our church members on what biblical stewardship looks like? Or maybe I need to do a sermon series on, on giving, which I know we're all not probably real excited about preaching about money, are we? Uh, but the Lord talked about money. 
And so occasionally we need to talk about money too with, with folks that are uh, members of the church. It's part of being a good faithful member of your church that you give to support the ministry of the church. And I can tell you too, and, and some of our churches are probably in this situation, um, when you start to look at this breakdown, uh, it's kind of a check engine light when your staff and personnel expenses are creeping up and your operating expenses are creeping up, but your giving is kind of going down so that you're having to cut back on ministry funds. That makes sense? So like a church that I was pastoring one time, we were in this situation. And like our operating funds and our staff and personnel, basically we're paying the light bill and we're paying the, the bills to do all that and we're paying our staff. And that started to choke out our ministry funds, you know. All of a sudden the youth ministry budget is declining. All of a sudden the VBS budget is declining. All of a sudden, you know, all these ministry budget things started going down because we were having to pay the staff and we didn't want to let staff go and we we're, you know, paying our light bill and operating expenses. So that's a big check engine light when you're in that situation as a church. Um, you know, that's, that's a time to kind of say, okay, we, we got to look at this and figure out uh, a way forward. Uh, some changes that we might need to make. Some of our churches in this association in the past, you know, little bit, and I, I don't know that they necessarily did this kind of analysis, but they shifted from having a full-time pastor to having a bivocational pastor, right? And that was probably because of the staff and personnel expenses are getting higher than what the church can sustain, right? So if we don't focus on that giving, then we can, we can make some poor decisions and find ourselves in a challenging situation as a church. So giving is, is something that I think we have focused on in the past. You know, what's the, the, the nickels and noses, right, that we want to track the nickels and noses. So giving's not a new thing to track, but maybe thinking about the budget breakdown is a new thing for you to consider tracking. So giving is uh, one thing important to look at. Then attendance, again, this is not something that's new to track. But this puts a little spin on a few metrics of that. It's not just how many people are at the worship service, but what is the worship service to small group percentage, right? How many people that are in attendance in worship are connected to a small group? Whether that's Sunday school, discipleship group, whatever group structure you have in your church, it's important that people that are attending would get connected to some kind of group um, I know y'all have heard Rainer and other people talk about this before, probably Tom Rainer and other uh, church health kind of experts. But uh, the more connected a person is to either a group or to some volunteer opportunity, the more sticky they kind of are, the more you retain uh, those members over long term. So if they don't get connected to a small group or some kind of volunteer opportunity, they're much more likely to eventually uh, move on somewhere else or drop out altogether. So... Important thing there, not just to track um, overall attendance, but to compare your worship service attendance to your small group participation. And a goal there would be greater than uh, 60% of your attendees in worship service are connected to a small group. What's your attendance trend? That on your sheet, uh, you should have that for a 10-year. Now, I know too, though, some of the clerks probably are just like, eh, we got about... 150, you know, <laughs> and, and the, that may not be the reality, right? I don't know how many of our churches do this anymore. It's kind of tedious. I know some churches do it where they literally have somebody with a clicker 
that's counting as people are coming in. Or in Lake, at Lakeview when I was in Auburn, they had a guy, it was always kind of creepy, because uh, he was kind of standing in the balcony, in the back, very back balcony of the wall, and he was just click, 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 click. He was just counting and clicking down the pews and the rows every Sunday. <laughs> and they had a different rotation of people that were, were doing that and just counting how many people are here on Sunday. Um, but we, we talk, we, we use ministerial speak, don't we, about uh, that sometimes. How many are you running? You know, ah, 150. And uh, we tend to estimate a little higher usually when we're doing that than what the real present, you know, number present is. So that may stir you up and say, hey, we need to find somebody to actually count heads and see, you know, um, what our actual worship attendance is. Um, so that metric on your sheets may not be the most accurate is basically what I'm saying. Uh, your, your clerk may have just kind of guesstimated there um, on that. Um, but you might want to think about, is it worth us having somebody count heads on a Sunday and just see how many people are here so we know kind of what direction things are going in, in terms of our attendance? Um, average age. That's something that we probably haven't thought about related to attendance. But if the average age of our worship attenders is significantly different than the average age of our community that we're in, what does that tell us? There's a disconnect, right? We're not really reaching potentially our community if the average age of our church and the situation some of our churches will find themselves in is the average age of their, their actual attenders and members is significantly higher than the the actual average age of their population that's around them, right? Um, you might be thinking, well, how can I figure that kind of information out? Just send me an email and remind me um, if you want information, and I can get you connected with people that can give you uh, demographics information like a one-mile radius around your church or five-mile radius around your church or, or whatever, and you can find out some of that information um, from a demographic study through the State Board of Missions. So if you want information, just email me um, or text me and I'll uh, connect you with who can get you that information. Uh, volunteering. Um, what percentage of worship attendees are serving in some kind of church ministry? Um, why would that metric be important? Any ideas? I'm talking too much. I'm going to let y'all talk to me for a minute while I drink some water. Yeah, are they involved? Are they invested? Um, let's say that, you know, you, you got a worship attendance of, I don't know, just make something up, 200 people. But then you've got, you know, 10 people serving. <laughs> that shows you, man, there's some people that are probably on their way to burnout, right? If 10 people are supporting the ministry for a church of 200, man, there's, some, there, there's a cliff coming. Let's just say that. Um, so that's one way it could be important. It also can help you kind of diagnose, does our church kind of have a, a consumer culture about it? Like where people kind of come and have an attitude of like, you know, well, what can the church do for me? Instead of coming with an attitude of, hey, what gifts has God given me that I can, I can give to this church and I can serve in this church? So um, it can reveal several things knowing that percentage of, how many of the people here are connected in some kind of, uh, you know, volunteer uh, role within the life of the church, engaging in ministry? Um, so community engagements. Um, there's a lot of different people 
that have written about stuff like this, and you could find a lot of different things from Tom Rainer and others who would give recommendations about this, but uh, what, what Brian Nall had written down here was basically to shoot for 5% of whatever your worship attendance is and have that many community engagement opportunities annually. So what's a community engagement opportunity? Anything that helps you engage your community, right? So a fall festival might be a, a community engagement. Uh, prayer walking would be a potential community engagement, you know. Um, you can come up with all kinds of ideas for this, but um, how many of those is your church doing um, on an annual basis? And, um, you know, that's important to, to ask that and look at that, um, to track that so you know, hey, are we becoming internally focused as a congregation or do we still have the mission and focus that we're trying to reach out and engage our community with the good news um, evangelism so we tend to track baptisms right that's one of the metrics on your your sheet is how many baptisms uh, each year over a 10-year period but that number by itself doesn't really tell the whole story of church health um, Notice there under evangelism, it doesn't just say total number of baptisms, but it says ratio of baptism to worship attenders year to year over the last five years. And so why would a ratio be important as opposed to just looking at the total number of baptisms? Any ideas on that? Hmm? Yeah, that, that's important too. That's actually kind of not on here, but it would be interesting to see uh, in your number of baptisms, what age are they? You know, are we just seeing uh, younger people baptized or are we reaching adults as well? So that's another metric you could add into this that would be uh, important. Church yeah, church swapping. Yeah, so uh, that's another metric. Like we gained a bunch of members, but was it by conversion or was it by transfer growth from another church? Um, got a friend of mine that calls that rearranging the furniture of the kingdom, <laughs> right? <laughs> We're just taking a few from over here and we moved them over here, but we really hadn't pushed back darkness and, uh, and impacted lostness. We've just kind of taken them off this ship over here and put them on this ship over here. <laughs> and um, transfer growth's not bad uh, for different reasons. People transfer their membership and that's okay. Um, but we we want to see our church growing, not just by transfer growth, but by conversion growth, like we're reaching lost people. The reason that ratio is important is because, obviously, some of our larger churches are probably going to have a larger number of baptisms. But when you look at it in terms of ratio, a church that's smaller might have a higher ratio of baptisms to members and that tells you that that smaller church is actually probably more evangelistically healthy than the larger church is a larger church is going to have larger numbers across the board generally right they're going to have a larger number of undesignated receipts they're going to have a larger number of volunteers larger number of baptisms larger number of all that but when you look at it in terms of ratio um some some insights emerge that even a church that might be smaller in attendance has a better ratio of baptism to worship attenders, and that would indicate that that church has some people in there that are sharing the gospel, right? That they're being uh, faithful in evangelism. Um, so the way you would kind of calculate that is, say you've got 50, you know, people in attendance, 
then you just divide 50 by the number of, uh, say, baptisms that you have, and that'll give you your ratio, right? So if you had 15 attendants and you had four baptisms in a year, that would give you a ratio of 12 and a half attendees. I don't know what a half of an attendee looks like. Uh, somebody who's been in a horrible accident, I guess. But uh, 12 and a half uh, to one would be your ratio. For every 12 and a half members that you have in your church, you see one baptism roughly, right? And so a goal for that would be that you would have uh, a, a ratio of greater than, uh, or sorry, of greater, yeah, greater than 10 to 1. Um, so gospel conversations. This is a metric that very few of our churches are, are tracking. Um, we track baptisms, right? We all are tracking that number. But not many of our churches are tracking how many times has the gospel been shared by people who are members of this church. Um, I know, Mark, y'all track that kind of with your ping pong balls, right, in the front. But is anybody else tracking that, that metric that you know of? Okay, well, hopefully, so I've, I've been challenged by this, and again, we want to we avoid the, the being hyper-focused on one metric, <laughs> but there are some metrics that I feel like um, are really important for us to know, because uh, if, if, again, y'all know my heart on this, but like, if we're not seeing a harvest, we got to ask, are we putting seed on the soil, Right. And if the seed is not getting on the soil, then we don't need to be scratching our head about why are we not seeing more people come to Christ. And so um, there are different tools that we can use to track evangelism. And the Lord's kind of burdened my heart to try to get our association to see us start to track this metric of gospel conversations. And then us see at least a thousand uh, tracked gospel shares that we can look at and say, hey, here, we can see them right here. They're being tracked. And uh, I want to share with you a tool that can help us do that if you are having conversations about that. Um, there's an app that you can use, if so inclined, called Seed Sower. Um, it's free. It's a free app. Uh, you can download it for Android or iOS, iPhone, whatever. Now, I know some folks are like, man, I don't do all this smart technology stuff. That's okay. Um, but this is a little app that now we've got it set up where um, you see if you go to your settings, there's my network, and there's a network in here now that says the CBA. That's us, the Chilton Baptist Association. And so what this does is, if a person has, and they'd have to go in, I'm going to put some training videos out for how to use this tool, but if they have their geolocate turned on on their phone with this app, then what we'll start to see, and this would just, man, this would get me so excited, and I hope it gets us all excited, is that when somebody tracks a share in this app, it'll drop a pin in the location where they record where they share the gospel. And there's a map that I'll embed on our website that'll show us a pin everywhere that the gospel is being shared. And we'll be able to see, are we saturating Chilton County with the good news of Jesus in terms of personal evangelism, right? And so a person can go in here. I'm not going to go through this app extensively, but say a person rejects Christ, they're open to learning more, uh, they're, they trusted Christ, or they're an existing believer. You tap on it. You can enter in their contact details. 
And then when you enter in their contact details, it'll create a prayer list for you where you can pray through the different categories of people. And uh, you can track your, your sewing. You can do that for the year. You can do that for uh, the month. You can do different dates and sort that. You can even, though most of our churches probably wouldn't want to go this far, you can create a church on here and send a link to add people to your church now that means if they do that, that you will be able to see, like if I'm in Brandon's church and he adds me to his church, he'll be able to see if I'm sharing the gospel or not, <laughs> right? That's a level of accountability most people in our churches are not ready for, probably. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but it would be cool just to see kind of a, at least on an associational level, us tracking this and seeing where, where we're making progress. Um, a cool thing about this, too, is you can set reminders for yourself to follow up with certain people. Um, so anyway, it's a great tool. Um, I've been wanting to get it set up here where our association could use it as a network there. And I finally got together with a guy that created the app, and he added us as a network. So it's free for you to use. Um, like I said, I'll be putting out some videos if you want to use this that you could share with people and start to roll it out. But I'd love to see us as an association tracking this metric of evangelism and see a thousand gospel shares that are tracked through that Seed Sower app in a calendar year and see, hopefully see that number increasing. Because if we see that number increasing, what's it telling us? More people are stepping into their calling to share the gospel. And if we see it starting to, to grow exponentially, it means not just that certain people are sharing the gospel, but they're also training other people to share the gospel. So we want to multiply seed sowers of the gospel, right? Uh, don't want it to just be, you know, the pastor in the church sharing 100 times a year, <laughs> but we want the people in the pew to be sharing the gospel week to week uh, as well. So that's a little plug for seed sower um, to use as a tool to track evangelism, and it's Free. The best part of that is it's free. So encourage you to think about uh, using that. If you got more questions, just let me know. As far as discipleship goes, and there's some stuff here that I probably would would add or tweak a little bit. Um, but you know how 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 are we measuring this kind of stuff? You know, um, again, it's great to have people there in attendance, but that's not the only metric we need to look at. How are people growing? in their engagement of God's Word on a daily basis, you know? Um, are people engaging with God's Word uh, daily? And the goal there is to see that number getting higher and higher percentage every year, right? Um, the, the one single, single kind of discipleship metric, and I think Lifeway did a study on this like a couple years ago, um, is Bible engagement. If people are in the Word... They're going to they're gonna be growing in some measure spiritually, right? So we want to track that in some way if we, if we can. And y'all remember, we used to track some of this. Anybody remember the days we used to track this and what it looked like? On the envelopes, that's right. But I, I guess, I don't know the rationale or the reason the envelope tracking thing went away. Um, sometimes we overcorrect. I know in our day and age now, that's not a great way to track it, probably, because more people are giving online than they are in person nowadays. But maybe we overcorrected a little bit from thinking, well, this is legalistic. Yeah, we don't want, we don't want to be legalistic, so we're just going to quit tracking it all together, you know. And that is a danger, but 
that's really all about your heart, you know, uh, and the posture and attitude of your, your heart. So, uh, but yeah, we used to track that Bible read, Bible brought, number, number of contacts made. Like we tracked a lot of that on that evangelism envelope. And I think there was a lot of wisdom in tracking that stuff, but we kind of did away with that and didn't replace it with a new way of tracking those things. So Bible engagement, uh, membership. Uh, church, does the church have an active membership process? Uh, I would encourage every one of our churches to have some kind of membership class, right? A new member class, a new member orientation, whatever you might call it. I think it's a good and healthy thing to establish a, a healthy church membership, to have some kind of way people can get kind of oriented to, okay, here's what the church uh, expects of our members. Here's our, our church covenant uh, you know, here's our commitments as a church to one another and our commitment as church leadership to you. Here's what we're going to do with you if you, like, go off the rails and start cheating on your wife, right? Uh, here's our church discipline process. That's number three. Um, you know, does the church have an active process in place to hold members accountable for sin? Uh, y'all know this. This is a problem in the Southern Baptist Convention, Right? That's part of the reason why I said what I said at the beginning about, is it possible that our numbers could be in decline and us actually be getting healthier? Y'all know every year how the stats come out about, well, the Southern Baptist Convention lost another million members. I'm like, no, they, we hadn't been able to locate those people for decades, right? Uh, it's because our membership has really been not very meaningful. We haven't had a high bar of membership in Baptist churches and so I, I tend to be on the side of things that when I see that membership number declining in the SBC, I don't immediately panic. But what I think to myself is, I bet a whole lot of our churches are removing people from their roles who haven't been there in a decade. That's probably what's happening or part of what's happening. I got a question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For membership or attendance? For, let's see, total members 146. Yeah. Resident members 101. So mm-hmm. when we have everybody that comes, we're talking about like 25. Right. Yeah. It's been that way for several years. So from, from your experience and y'all's guys' experience, how do you um, feed to the church the need for a purge? I hate to use that term. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. You can't, you know, yeah. So yeah. How, how do you guys do that in those churches as far as what standards you use? I think several of us talked about it last <laughs> Thursday. That's right. Yeah. Had a really good idea. Right. It's it's hard to do, I think, without some people potentially getting upset. I think the low hanging fruit is if we don't have contact information for them anywhere and we can't get a hold of them. Like, I mean, we can't we can't actively actively shepherd those people. So those, I think, are pretty easy to just kind of, you know, we can't, we can't even, we don't even know where the people are. We can't get a hold of them. We don't have an address for them. Um, moving on to that, if you do have contact information for them, uh, you can just reach out to them. And you'll probably find out that a lot of them have actually transferred their membership, but they just haven't communicated it. They might have joined a non-denominational church or something. That non-denominational church doesn't send a letter to your church saying, hey, transfer their membership. Um, sometimes even our Southern Baptist churches don't send that letter <laughs> and communicate it. Um, yeah. 
concern for a Baker Hill and Roundville. Mm-hmm. Two deacons, that's what they wanted to do. But you're, you're, you're with us for the summer. And so we went to every home. Mm-hmm. We had like 250 on the list. Yeah. And every home, and, uh, you know, uh, deceased or we were going to the right. Shooting God or Nathan or Yeah. And we took it all the way down to about 92. Yeah. And then voted on that. Yeah. I think whatever you do, you do it slowly, you do it patiently, and you never do it unless you don't have contact information for them. You don't, I wouldn't remove somebody as a member without multiple attempts to contact them and then without a congregate, the congregation voting on it and affirming it. Um, so, um, we got pushed back on this over here. We were trying to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then came back. And the, the argument was they would have never come back. Yeah. Had we had we sent a letter or had we said we're taking you know, thank you for your involvement in Georgia First Baptist, but you're no longer you know, yeah. do not no longer consider but yeah. And so we're kinda of stuck as to right. Yeah. And now another chapter in this nightmare is if you have a church cemetery. <laughs> because then people will have a tendency sometimes to want to stay on your membership so they don't lose their plot in the church cemetery that's greatly discounted from what they'll pay if they go to Martin Memorial, <laughs> right? So that gets some people upset real quick. One thing, we're, we're presently in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a different kind of category. Right, yeah. Because the burden on us is to care for them. Right. Um, and not, not on them. Yeah. To, to try to encourage them to get back. And right. There. That's, yeah. That's kind of a step that we're taking. Yeah. Like I said, we just had this conversation yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not all of our people will know, so don't. That's right. I'll edit that out. <laughs> so is that, so is that, are you Right. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, that's basically taking over that that term. Right. Yeah. Look on our 497 members. Yeah. Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. Um, and that's the case with most of our churches. That, that, yeah. That's just not being. Um, yeah. You know. That, yeah. It's not real. It's not. And so. Yeah. But we have a whole list of people that as many of us don't know who they are, where they live. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we're in the process. Of Right. Um, yeah. But it is important um, to yeah. differentiate that and, and figure yeah. out. But, you know, and we, and we do have the cemetery, and so that does mm-hmm. uh, cause some. Yeah. But, you know, it's like I was telling my guys yesterday, the, the main thing is we membership has to matter. Yeah. But also, um, in that process, there's got to be compassion and care. Yeah. And, We need to minister. That's right. That's the approach. Um, and, yeah. And so I want that that heart and that attitude to be yeah. our approach, not 
Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, that's right. And how you communicate it, like you're just saying, is important. Like, hey, if we're supposed to love these people and shepherd them well, then we got to figure out where they are. Like, what kind of shepherd doesn't know where the sheep are, right? Like, we need to find out where they are. Um, and I would impress on the congregation, hey, this is just my burden. Like, I'm, resp- I'm responsible for these folks as their shepherd. And, like, we got to do something. Like, I got to find these people or, or we need to remove them uh, from membership. So how you communicate it makes a big difference, I think. Only one church in our association, as far as I know, uh, has a higher attendance than their membership. All of our churches are the other way around, usually. You know which one it is? Peach City Fellowship, uh, formerly Friendship Baptist Church. Uh, Their attendance is higher than their actual membership. Uh, Most of our churches, our membership is five times the number that we have in actual attendance. So... Something to think about and consider. Um, mm-hmm. On the cemetery, we had 25 at the end of the day that we could do nothing with the right. church after the cemetery. Yeah. And uh, have a trusted friend who is able to help hold them, uh, that's misspelled there, holy, W-H-O-L-Y, accountable in character and ministry-related matters. So uh, this will tie into kind of the pastor huddles that we've talked about and some of y'all know we're doing. If you want to get connected to a pastor huddle, uh, then please let me know, and I'd love to try to get you connected with some other pastors or, or myself to just meet together on some kind of schedule for encouragement and prayer together uh, to, to help each other out there. Uh, biblical teaching. Uh, does the pastor ensure the Bible is soundly read and taught in worship gatherings of the church, both corporate gatherings and small groups? The ordinances, does the church have a process to ensure ordinances are practiced within biblical parameters? Worship, is the church ensuring uh, songs during worship services are rooted in sound biblical theology? Prayer, is there an active process to collect prayer requests, celebrate and answer prayers, engage corporately in prayer, and equip individuals to pray personally? And then fellowship, does the church have ongoing teams or individuals tasked with increasing biblical fellowship among the members of the congregation so and then the last one there is just covid return you can take that or leave that i kind of think <laughs> you know covid 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 we kind of need to just kind of look ahead right <laughs> let covid be in well, it's not really in the past my mom just had it again so it's still a present reality for us but i don't know what much you get out of looking at what you had pre-covid post-covid um you know just look at who you got in front of you now and and uh, move forward with that and do your best to, to think about some of these metrics. So, so that's it. My encouragement to you, uh, you know, take it or toss it, <laughs> is to, to think about some of these metrics. Some of them, all of them, whatever, and then do kind of an analysis, you know, and take it into consideration in how you plan and program ministries in your church, you know, in your church to strengthen those things that are already strong shore up some of the weaknesses maybe that are there address a threat maybe there there might be a check engine thing on (laughs) that that you weren't aware of that if you catch it in time you know can save the future of the church um so um just put that before you i think these are important things to consider and count and track uh, pay attention to and uh, create some way that you can track these things 
um, because they'll show a, an accurate picture of your overall church health and and what direction you're going in. So, any any other comments or thoughts on any of that before I pray for us and we eat eat together? Justin Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where they ask, you know, several questions yeah. and they have discussion about and it goes along with it takes place in the envelope basically. Yeah. But they actually do do a discussion about hey, how's this going and yeah. know, what can we do better? And mm-hmm. um, he just sent that to me recently and I thought it was really good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, if you'll share that if you, you don't mind sharing it with me, I'll uh, I'll pass it along to everybody. Uh, they find it helpful. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can. I can make it into a PDF or whatever. All right. Any other comments, thoughts, questions? <laughs> Hopefully, it's helpful to you to think through some of this stuff, and maybe stuff you're already thinking about. Maybe it was some of it's new. Um, but hopefully it'll give you just some parameters to think about, some metrics to think about. Other than, hey, we're in, we're, our attendance is going down or our attendance is going up. You know, there's a lot more to think about than just those two things. And I'll just close with this, right? Encourage you. Don't find your identity in what that number is doing going up or down. Now, I know that's easy for me to say and a lot harder to do. I remember churches I've served where they had the board up there. You know the board I'm talking about? And I, had, I, I taught a Sunday school class, and I stepped out of that Sunday school class, and on my way to the sanctuary, I'd always see that number. And it would jack my heart up every you know, time. Like, if it was in decline, Sunday school attendance, and I'd be, oh, ho-hum, you know. I'd fall into Eeyore, spirit of Eeyore would overcome me. And, uh, you know, I'd be all discouraged. Or if that number was up, I'd be like, all right, yeah. You know, I might have a little swagger about me going into the, the service. Um, I want to encourage you, it's going to sound silly, right? You won't find me recommending uh, resources by this guy uh, pretty regularly, but uh, Max Lucado's book, You Are Special, okay? I know it's a children's book, <laughs> but I want to encourage you to go read it, if you can get a copy of it or find it, and think about how it applies to your identity as a pastor in ministry, um, you read through the the story you'll if you've read it before he talks about somebody how basically anytime somebody said something negative about one of the little characters in the story they'd get a dot on them and if somebody did something good they'd put a sticker a, a star on them sticker and there was this one little character in the story who went every day to the the house of the guy that made all these puppets that are in the the story and that person, because they went to the, the maker's house every day, um, no matter what people tried to stick on them, whether it was good or bad, none of them would stick. They'd all fall off. And kind of the picture was that find your identity and who your creator is and who he's made you to be and not in the good or the bad that people might say about you or the the highs and the lows of the valleys and the mountains and but just find your identity every day in the Lord who made you the Lord who called you the Lord who promises to sustain you uh, through ministry uh, somebody 
read that book to me not long ago, and man, I just about started crying like a baby because I was like, man, that's, that's it. Like, because we struggle. I know we all struggle with finding our identity in are the numbers going up or the numbers going down, you know? And uh, we need to track those things, but we need to find some way of detaching our identity <laughs> uh, and our worth from those numbers, right? It is hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's right. It, it tends to either puff you up and pride, or lead you to the depths of despair and discouragement. So, um, just rest in the Lord and uh, His call, and focus on your faithfulness to do what He's called you to do, and trust Him for the fruitfulness in His time and in His season. So, let me pray, and I'll pray for the food. I think the food is going to be through the door. And kind of laid out there. I don't know if it's labeled with your name on it or not or anything. We'll kind of tackle that when we get there. But uh, let me pray for y'all and then we'll continue discussing things as we share a meal together. Lord, thank you again for uh, this time. Uh, thank you for these brothers again. I pray, God, that uh, nothing we've said in here has uh, crushed us with despondency or discouragement. Uh, Lord, that's certainly not my desire. But uh, we do want, Lord, to be informed about the reality that we're in and then know uh, hopefully uh, seeking you and your leadership and dependence upon your Holy Spirit Lord we want to make decisions uh, as leaders and churches to to lead us to to better days ahead Uh, Lord help us to wrestle with some of these things and try to get a a picture of where our church is in terms of its overall health And just give us uh, your wisdom and and discernment, Lord, on what things we can do differently or potentially need to do differently to to tackle some of these things and grow in our overall health as churches, Lord. So just thank you again for these these brothers. We thank you for this food and uh, pray, Lord, that you would bless it uh, to nourish our bodies and strengthen us, Lord, for your service. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.